Career Disruptors is the podcast for senior managers who are not afraid to challenge the status quo, who challenge assumptions, and who push the boundaries and love shattering conventional wisdom. I'm Coach Caroline DeKimper, empowering professionals to build a personal brand that gives them the confidence they need to go after the career they want and deserve. This episode is the audio recording of a video or live stream because I know that many of you just love to listen to the juicy content. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey, it's Caroline, career and leadership coach. And today I have a special guest all the way from Canada Mm -hmm. uh, with me, Alana Rioso. So welcome, Alana, to the show. Thank you so much. Thrilled to be here. Now, Alana is a career and success coach, and she is going to talk about toxic bosses. And so um, before we dive into the subject, I was hoping that Alana could maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. So give an introduction, please. Sure. Thank you. No, I'm so I'm a career coach and success coach, and I work with those who deep down know they can do better. But keep falling short of where they want to go. And I tend to work with a lot of creatives. Um, My background is actually in the design industry. So I worked as a graphic designer, art director, branding expert, and marketing. And so that's a little bit of what I bring to the table. And I have a passion for helping people step into what they're meant to do. And really that fear of unfulfilled potential, which haunts so many of us. I, I work with a lot of clients to kind of make their way through that and get to the other side. Yes. And so how did it come to that to make that transition? Because I know like a lot of people that are in that creative world, they just love it so much. And it's just like, okay, so what made you just transition to more the coaching realm? Yeah, that is a great question because I it wasn't really expected, but I had been so much involved in personal development work. I just really got into it when I was really young and I've been doing design for a long time. And there did come a point where I really felt like, I've done it, like I've done it all. Like I've kind of reached that point and I needed a new challenge. And I personally had to go through so much to work through my own stuff. And I started delving in. I started working with coaches, of course, reading all the books, doing all of those things. And then I started coaching in 2016 and then have kind of slowly built it up. And really, um, especially in 2020 during the pandemic, really dove into it because so much was coming up for not only me, but other people. And I really, really wanted to just help these people transition. And, And getting that awareness of how many people were struggling in their career it's just like, it's heartbreaking. And then, and you know, we'll talk more about that, but I went through my own kind of crazy stories. So, and I've had a few crazy stories. So I like, <laughs> you know, and I've, I've really decided to break them down and not just mm. like accept them as something that happened to me. I had to look at how I was participating in the situation and I was just so curious. Yeah. And then again, seeing how coaching has transformed my life and then yes. it does transform other people. So I'm very passionate about it as an industry. Uh, I love what you say because it's all about awareness and like yeah. knowing like, okay, actually, instead of carrying that baggage and going to the yes. next job and just like accumulating all this shit that you get from <laughs> other people, it's like, yeah. okay, let's actually clear that because it's not serving me. And it takes a lot of guts to, to go through that because it is mm-hmm. like going through gunk and Often, like, you have to relive, I almost call it trauma, because whatever degree of trauma, like, but you have to relive it almost to pass through it and to dissolve it. So I love that. uh, Absolutely agree. 
yeah so you mentioned that you have your your crazy story so (laughs) today we're going to talk about toxic bosses so what is like your your how like how did you came to that topic what is like your relationship with toxic bosses yeah I mean I think there's probably everyone in the world has had a toxic boss at some point but I and I've definitely had my fair share of them but they've changed as I've kind of gone through my career but there were certain things that were coming up and it really came to light in 2020 when I when I you know really kind of got in a situation um the toxic boss is not necessarily obvious And so you can think of like the micromanager, you can think of the bully, you can think of the narcissist, you can link, uh, you know, the incompetent boss. Those ones are like sort of obvious. But what I started to realize is that there's some that are just kind of like very subtle and really what they are, they're chronic people pleasers. And so it was this revelation that uh, someone who is an intense people pleaser can be a really toxic boss. And yeah. that is exactly what I experienced. And um, it was really devastating. Tell us a story, if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I'm ex- happy to share the story. Uh, I've been writing quite a lot about it, actually, as a way of processing it. And, you know, I, I was working for a really big cosmetic company, uh, great role. So I've kind of done entrepreneurial, run my own business and done corporate. I've kind of bounced between the two yeah. um, for different times in my life and seeing, you know, what works and what I felt like at the time and had kind of a great job and was really enjoying it. And then, you know, we did get um, a new, there was some red flags a few things that were coming up but I was able to manage it it was like you know when it's manageable the toxicity is like just enough so you can get through it yeah and so a new boss came in who you know was a lot of the other things I talked about there was the incompetency the micromanaging but there was also it's just the people pleasing where mm-hmm. that person has decided that more is never enough so I think a lot of people once what you'll hear this and you'll start to realize when more is not enough and doesn't matter what you do, it's never going to get you where you want to go. It's never going to make them happy. It's never good enough. It is, it just sets up this really toxic environment. And not only was my immediate boss a people pleaser, but then her boss was a people pleaser. So it was literally like a tower of people pleasers. And then it just didn't matter. And, you know, I'm someone who's super, super um, highly competent and and kind of an over typical overachiever and had a pretty great career. And it was really challenging. And then my value and my like my my value was going down and my stress was going like through the roof. Yeah. What what happened was because the first thing that jumps to mind is because I have a lot of clients that are people pleasers themselves. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if you have that's chain reaction like what happens <laughs> so <laughs> yeah it's, like... it's it's just like you're literally on the cycle and so the irony of course the whole like the almost the interesting part of the story and this is why I love the coaching process is I discovered that I was a recovering people pleaser so it's so fascinating that I'm in this situation where I'm now like literally suffocating in people pleaser land like it's a circus of people pleasers yeah and it was really triggering to me. And of course, it's going to be triggering to me because yeah. I was um, always feeling like I had to do more and just more, more, more and work harder and harder and harder. And then I realized year, you know, years ago that that was actually, you know, um, not productive. That was impeding my, it was really dramatically affecting my physical and emotional health. So I had to like stop that. And then of course, it comes down to a lot of boundaries. And yeah. so being in that situation, I was like, this is put in front of me so that I can see exactly what I don't want. Like, 
Yes. That's part of the lesson is when you have this toxic situation and it's put in front of you, you know, it is a gift in many ways because it is showing you what you don't want and the person you do not want to be. And yeah. I was no longer available to be yeah. in that circus. Yes. I like the words. I'm no longer available. Once yeah. you actually feel it's so empowering because even sense. just yeah. thinking about like, I'm no longer available for this. It just like, whether you're in the same situation it doesn't really matter. You can just say like, I'm not available. Yeah, like I'm totally. not going to emotionally like just uh, attach that. And I know this goes about, we're going to talk about toxic, toxic boxes, but how did you first identify that you were a people pleaser? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, I was really addicted to kind of working too much and kind of being in struggle mode. So I talk a lot about with my clients ditching struggle, like this idea that you have to make things really hard. And I started learning at a really young age, working really hard was getting me like the kind of um, attention and accolades that I was craving as a kid. But I kind of took it too far and I just kept going and going and going. And I thought, you know, if I, the harder I worked, the more and the happier I made everyone else, the more safe and secure I would feel. And so this was really figured out doing the personal development books, the reading and the coaching. And I would say therapy in there as well. It's just like, I think anyone who's chronically exhausted probably has some people pleaser energy happening there. Yeah. It's like the, for me, there are three really daggers and that's like the perfectionism that's yep. people pleasing and that's working too hard. So you become yep. the workhorse of the, the company and that yes. combination is, is, is everybody has that in certain degrees, but if you're unaware of that, you're just like burning out. And then people say like, Oh, why am I having this, this feeling? What's happening to me? Yeah. And most yeah. people and I, I, I have so many friends that do that and I love them to bits, but most people revert to medication. They say yeah. like, okay, I have to pop a pill and then it goes away. But yeah. it's just like, so it's like. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the total stepping back and seeing it for under what is and willing to let go of certain things. And, you know, my whole, a huge part of my life and my career was defined as being someone who was really highly like a really hard worker, really accomplished and really um, just got the job done. Like, and I prided myself on that. And I love my work ethic. It's one of the things I pride, I'm so you know proud of. But there is a point where you have to be willing to let a bit of that identity go or or yeah. it, it just just let, let it be different. And, and that's what I really had to learn because you can only do that for so long before you really just go downhill. Yeah. Is it also about setting then boundaries for yourself, not so much boundaries for the outside world, but yeah. internally, like looking like, okay, this is when I will decide enough is enough. Like I've yes. done enough for that pro pro project. Because one thing you said in the beginning is like, you always want more and like, it's never enough. If you're mm -hmm. a people pleaser and you're a recovering people pleaser, then you will actually push the the bar yeah. higher and higher for yourself. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So, it's kind of my motto has become it's good enough. And so, you know, letting myself just do things not to, to perfectionism level and being, you know, and everything. It can be a social media post that I do. And I'm like, it's good enough. It can be anything, anything I'm doing. And it's really, doing the best I can, but recognizing that. Um, what you said about boundaries, so important. There was like, 
one of the things I had to work on personal boundaries. So there's like, that was part of it, but also when you're recognizing or trying to figure out if you're in a toxic work culture and it's a people pleasing culture, like you have to check for boundaries, really start looking at where they draw boundaries. And if you start seeing that the leaders don't have any boundaries, you know, you're pooched. Yeah. Yeah. You really are. Yeah. You really are. It's not going to, that's not going to change unless they want to change. And so you're now having to um, conform to a culture that's really toxic. Yeah, and that's not aligned with you and where you want to go and that doesn't serve you anymore. Mm. And that's basically what I say to a lot of clients and probably you too, Alana, is like whenever you you really become aware of that disconnect, like first of all, you have to really be be able to step in your your greatness and step into yourself and then actually like see if that if it still bashes or clashes with your boss or the organization, then have an exit plan. <laughs> Oh yeah, like there's the, the ex- no, yeah. nothing bad about having an exit plan, oh, and no. most people think it's them that fails instead <gasps> yes. of like, yes. yeah. I, like- I just think that's so important what you just said. They think they're the problem, and so that's like part yeah. of the processing of the thing of the experiences. This toxic person, you know, their their agenda is to dismantle you in many ways. So that's how, yeah. one easy way to spot a toxic person. They're going to try and bring you down. And um, the people pleaser will certainly do that because they just want to keep going and going. But it's recognizing that, you know, this doesn't have to, I, I don't want to participate in this anymore. And it's, um, but it brings you down and then you start thinking that it's you. And that's part of their agenda potentially. And you don't want to go so far down the road that you lose complete faith in everything, your, you know, your capabilities and your value. And that's, that's really hard. And having the exit plan, even if it's a six months out exit plan, super important. Yes. And because that will save you. Like if you have that, like I'm a big believer in mantras to shift my, my, yeah. my mm-hmm. attention. And I, I say that to clients, like, think about it. Like I'm here with this company, but it's not my future anymore. Like yes. I'm, I'm doing the best I can. I stay in my integrity, but this is not my future anymore. And it's like once, once you come from that place and then shift into a more, uh, an organization that's more aligned and, Yes. People don't believe it's out there, but they are out there. <laughs> you just have to. Oh, they are first... out there. Hmm. Yes, you, they are. You first have, you said, have to, you said. Have to um, understand yourself. And once you do, you can actually find them. Uh, how would you say you that that alignment you can find? Yeah, you can find the alignment. And I just love what you said about it being kind of the temporary and taking the mantra. I I like to visualize stepping stones. So the job is just some, uh, the experience is just a stepping stone. That was really helpful to me. Um, The alignment piece is, you know, my, I, when I, every year, every time I start a new year, I set a word that's my intention for the year and alignment was my intention for 2021. And, and so I love that word, although I think it's actually become about acceptance, which is a totally different topic, but (laughs) it's like, it's just that kind of came front forward, but um, alignment is really important. And, you know, we, one of the things I think we've gotten used to in the corporate culture is that we think it's okay to not be in alignment. We think it's okay to compromise our values. We think it's okay to be miserable. Like all of these start to be normal. And if I can look back at my career, I've had all these different jobs and quite a few of them were really challenging and or toxic, but the ones that were great, 
you know, where I had a great boss, like they are out there and they existed. And I always remind myself, I've had that positive experience. So then I can have it again. It'll be a different shape, different form, different place. But the idea that you're stuck where you are and it's always going to be the same, it's completely untrue because here's the thing. One person can, you know, make or break a company. And so the one person that came into our company who, who was this really toxic person um, changed everything. And so yeah. that, and that makes it, you realize that, you know, it was okay before. So, it, you know, you can go to a great company and hopefully see what happens, but yeah, that it's very fatalistic and catastrophic to think that there's nothing else good out there for yes. you. Yes. Now, I, I I believe we can talk about it for ages about that and <laughs> being <laughs> being a people pleaser. So, yeah. like morphing into like really a toxic box boss. So, like, um, what are the, the the key areas or the key things how you can recognize a people pleasing toxic boss? Sure. So the first thing we talked about was the boundaries. So, and yeah. that was me really looking at like that can show up in very small ways. So are they the type of person that's sending the email at two o'clock in the morning, which I don't understand because Outlook has a send later feature. I don't know why they're doing that. <laughs> I'm just, you know, are they never taking vacation? Do they resent when you take vacation? The other thing is how are they standing up to the people that they report to? Are they just, again, saying yes, yes, yes to everything and never saying no. So then that's like a huge indication because if they're doing that, then they're going to expect that of you. So the boundary thing is huge and um, you can try and set boundaries. I certainly went through a phase where I was really trying to set boundaries. The challenge can be if you're in this people-pleasing culture and you're trying to set boundaries, even if you're doing them in a really, really polite uh, you know, rational way, you, you'll be you can be labeled difficult yeah. because you're, you're not conforming, you're not jumping through all the hoops that they want. Yeah. So, you know, if you're okay with that, then you can, you know, some people are probably okay with that. For me, again, recovering people, please are not happening. So that would that the boundary thing is huge. And I know you talk about boundaries and, and things like that. So that's huge. Another yeah. one, which I hadn't really noticed until I had, you know, left was really looking at the company's language. And so this is like the mottos they say, the, the verbiage they use, the kind of slang that use the office. And so uh, our company had a motto where it was uh, work hard, play hard. And so, you know, you first hear that and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I love working hard. I love playing hard, yeah. although my play hard is literally to read for six hours on my Kindle, but that's okay. <laughs> so that, that's my thing. <laughs> I, that's my playing. But the... Um, you know, I remember it was Adam Grant who uh, he posts a lot on LinkedIn, organizational psychologist, and he said, you know, work hard, play hard really means we work 90 hour weeks and sometimes we like, you know, party instead of sleep. And so I started to realize that that kind of language and verbiage permeated the culture where you were expected yeah. to just keep going and going and going. And I didn't really see that. And it showed up in a whole bunch of different ways, but it's really interesting when you actually start analyzing the language that the company is using. And you can see a lot of that threaded through their website, any of their mission statements, their values. And of course, some of that is just, you know, they say things lip that don't service, mean it, but it's lip service for sure. But in, in many cases, if you're already in a company and you're working there, you'll start to see that mm. these things are popping up. And I can, th if I think back to other companies I've worked at, I was like, oh, a lot of the red flags were there. I just didn't really see them. Yeah. Mm, yes. And that is one of the things that I say like uh, to, to clients that I work. So I do do two things like help them transition into a new job mm -hmm. and help them with their job search. And so like, I think it's so important to find organizations that are aligned and it's like, yeah. be mindful 
in an interview that pick up on that language, like you said, uh, because it's not only about your capability. It's also like that you are smart enough that you actually don't have them pull the wool over your eyes, but that you yes. actually understand like, okay, what are the values of this manager? It's not the values that the company has on this website because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. most of the time they're BS anyway, but what are, <laughs> yeah. are his, his or her values uh, in that matter? And you're absolutely so right, the language totally. that, that's, uh, that's been spoken totally. uh, within the company. Yeah. Yeah. Now, having said that, when I heard, like, when I heard, if I, even if I'd probably known work hard, play hard, and potentially a red flag, I, I was going to go to that company anyway, because I really <laughs> wanted the experience. So you, there is like a part of you just has to accept that you need to go through that journey, that ride. Yeah. Like, I'm so happy I did it. It's recognizing when to go, when yes. it's no longer in alignment with your values, when it yes. becomes toxic, because it's not necessarily toxic from day one. Sometimes it is, but you know, a lot of times it's like the something slow that creeps in, right? Yes. It's also, it's all about giving and taking like a, yeah. a relationship is it's, it's like everything, a relationship with your partner, person, uh, like at work, it's a relationship. It's like whenever you give more than what you get back, that's where then you have to, to start asking questions. And also yes. when it's um, really like uh, attacking or affecting your health, like you were saying, mm -hmm. like, tell me about that. What did you yeah. experience? Oh, so much. Like it was, um, I mean, I knew I was, I felt like I was in this battle I couldn't win. And that was really devastating. And not like, it, I don't know why I felt like I had to win, but it was just, I was set up for failure. And this person was really trying to find mistakes in everything I did. So they were trying to call me out and stuff and trying to really like, so you feel like you're being, um, and everything you do is dissected. So what happened was it just became slow, but the anxiety and the stress. Now I've talked openly about having anxiety challenges in the past. And this became the point where I, like, I literally couldn't sleep. And yeah. um, a huge trigger was the injustice. I get very triggered by injustice of things when things aren't right. When some, there's a situation, it's like, you know, we could resolve the situation if this person wasn't here. But it's not necessarily that simple. And obviously in corporate, it's not that simple. So I wasn't sleeping. I was anxious. Um, I ended up having to take time off of work for the first time in my like six weeks, which I'd never done before in my entire career and to recalibrate and um, to figure out how I was going to get through this and really reflect on uh, my game plan and to get myself better. And again, I think we've gotten so used to the fact that our jobs stress us out to this point where we can't sleep, we can't eat, nothing. we think it's normal. It's like, yeah. no, it is not normal. And um, and then so I took time off and two days into coming back from my leave, I was like feeling so good because I just really got that time that I needed. Um, yeah. I just got thrown under the bus two days in. So everything was, came back every I mean, full like almost a retaliation. So, um, which, you know, that's the, that, that's something that I was kind of mentally prepared for, but it was really challenging. So, um, the, the, the physical and emotional stress, which is really too much, too much. Yeah. So what were the, the steps you did to, to then rectify? Did you just leave or, and would you say it like to, to anybody in a similar situation, like what are, what are the steps that they can do to take action? Is there, is there a possibility yeah. to change? Because sometimes by educating and by mm -hmm, maybe understanding mm -hmm. sometimes that your boss is in that situation and coming from a place of compassion, but still 
<sighs> being protective of yourself? Like, what are your, what's your advice yeah. to do? <laughs> yeah, no, that's so good. I love to use the word compassion. I'm huge into compassion. And, you know, here's the thing. I was someone going through this situation and a coach. So I, and I was having a, I was, I had a coach during this time. So I was being coached on how to deal with this. <laughs> and I still felt like I was, there is a point where no matter how you look around it, no matter how much you look inward and, and see the role you're playing in. And I totally would take responsibility for some of the things I did um, or the, I wasn't showing up as my best self, but then I had to realize there was no way for me to possibly show up as my best self. Cause it was all of my values were being violated. Yeah. So it's impossible. Right. So the steps that I took was, um, uh, kept going with my meditation and all my mental health practices. And for me, exercise is one of the, I just do uh, th just 30 minutes a day. I don't go crazy, nothing, but um, that supporting my physical body in as many ways as possible is one of the things that's just key for me. And that's different for everybody. Um, my husband's a big walker, so that's his thing. And then it was the exit strategy, the plan. And I looked at it from all different angles. I looked at it from legal angles. I looked at it from like uh, just every possible angle you could do. I did my research, I will say that. Um, yeah. And then it was the, the decision to actually resign. Yeah. So what that was the time really, frame? What was the time frame between yeah. that, Alana? So I came back in, in January of 2021. We're in, yeah. And by, by May, I had resigned. So it was yeah. five five months and it was really hard. Um, and never mind coming from that, just to, like that takes a long time to recover from that part. And so what you said earlier is true. It is a trauma. Um, yeah. It's really, really challenging. It was going off the rails really, really quickly. And again, could not show up as my best self. And that was really like, that's when you know, you can do, you know, if you can't change the situation, yeah, you, you can see what you can change in your situation yourself and, and try and come to the table as the best version and like, you know, a positive attitude, my big believer in you know, having a positive attitude, even when things are challenging. Um, but then yeah. I think everyone knows in their gut, it's like, you got to go at some point. Yeah. Sometimes if you, if you can't change it. So my motto, actually, it came from my dad, like when I was little, he kind of like said to me, Caroline, there are three choices in life. And mm -hmm. I tell that now to my clients. And the three choices in life is to accept, to walk away, or to fight. That's yeah. all, Those are the three choices. And yeah. you have to pick one. It's not yeah. complaining, keep on complaining and being miserable and have self-pity and letting it affect your, your, your health and your mental state. It's like three choices. Pick one. That's good. So good. And, and stay with it. I I love that. And that simplifies it too. And I will say, I look, I had a couple of days of pity parties for, for sure. But then, but then I realized that that's like, it's, I know better than to do that. And that's not helping. And what you're saying about, there was a part of me that was the fight. I wanted to fight. And I, I what, yeah. what's interesting when you say those two things, I was actually in limbo with all three. It was oh, a part wow. of me that that's wanted amazing. to fight. There was a part of me that wanted to, what was it? Uh, accept. Accept. Yeah. Fight. And what was the third, the other one? I walk away. Change it. Walk away. Yes. And so I so was, walk I, away, accept or like fight. Fight is so strange. interesting. To I it. would. I see it almost as a triangle. I was like, one foot. I don't have three feet, but one foot in each <laughs> one. And uh, I had to because I am someone again. Injustice really gets me. So I wanted to fight it. And you know what? I was fighting the fight, and then um, uh, I did eventually just uh, accept and, and 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 walked away. 
That, that was actually one of my questions that I was going to ask because before you said like, look, I looked at the exit strategy and all my mm -hmm. options and one of them was legal. Like yeah. if you feel like I'm, I'm the same, for me it's injustice, fairness, like fairness is a big thing. If I feel something is unfair, I get on my high horse. It's a mm -hmm. massive trigger for me. Like I just like want to go to, to bats, like to mm -hmm. like, because I strongly believe. So I have to mellow that sometimes also. And for me, it's even like, um, like I have to see if it's fairness or ego. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, no, that's really two? true. And I so. think I was struggling with that one a little bit, fairness or ego. And did I just want to prove a point? Yeah. Um, was it, you know, I think I had a lawyer say to me that, you know, if you, you know, uh, if you go the legal route, it's not, it's not going to provide the closure that you necessarily think it will, yeah. you know, there, there's a times when it's absolutely, you know, important to do it. So I would never discourage anyone, but I did really look at all my options. And yeah. when I say I thought about lawyers, I mean, I talked to multiple, <laughs> so I was like, and then I thought, well, what is it going to feel like if I just resign? So I, there's a thing that I like to do sometimes um, with anyone making a decision, I'll tell this to clients as well, is, you know, just pretend for 24 hours that you've made a decision if you're, and see how that feels. And then the yeah. next 24 hours, make a different decision and see how that feels. So just pretend that you've made. So I would go through phases where I, I pretended that I was like, OK, I've hired the lawyer. OK, I've gone through today. I've just quit. How does that feel? And so um, I've decided that I'm going to fight this, you know, or I'm going to stick it out for this amount of time. So I would play around with the scenarios to see how I love it and try them on for size and um you know it can be real and like act as if I've actually made that decision you can just do it to yourself but it's a really powerful I exercise. love it I love it and it actually it reminds me of what what one of my friends is she's a life coach and mm. um she actually said something similar but I never made the link to what you now said uh she said like look you you try on clothes and it's like mm -hmm. you try on a, a new outfit and you see how it feels. <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, how it yeah, feels. Yeah. But it's like same. <laughs> oh yeah, get in that feeling. You know, the, you know, everyone, you know, lots of coaches know you get in the feeling what you want yeah. and what you are you're aspiring for. And so it goes to and it was it was challenging sometimes and it was uncomfortable and sometimes, but it was absolutely worth doing it. And listen, at the at the end of the day, when I did decide to resign and preserve um my mental and physical and emotional health and my integrity. I felt relieved. That was the ultimate feeling. And there's no amount of money that could make me go back to that situation. Yeah. How did you actually like silence that injustice part? Like <sighs> it's not because it silent. can be very strong. Like I have been in situations and like it's very difficult to silence that because if you think about it and you have then your foot in all three logically you know okay it's negative energy i don't want to waste mm -hmm. my energy but then like your fire brain is like oh come yes. on yeah. Not <laughs> yeah it is the fire brain so one thing i do is like uh when i get triggered by injustice i kind of celebrate it like i actually have just really learned to love that part of myself because it means i want fairness for people which means i'm an excellent advocate for others so i consider myself one of the one of the things i do i'm a coach but i also advocate for creatives and designers so i really yes. put a lot of information out there to help preserve the the industry and make sure designers are paid well all these things so there's a part of me, the injustice part that gets triggered. It's actually super, super productive. It's beneficial. It's a super positive thing. In this situation, 
Um, I think there's a lot of things I haven't accepted, still haven't accepted because I can, you know, still, I still know about injustices. Um, it was just that thing of like, how can this happen? Why are other people not protected? Um, but then there is, again, I have to go into the acceptance mode where this is the situation. There really wasn't that much I could change. Um, and I, I had to kind of get into that space. It's something I struggle with, I, but um, feeling a piece with the best decision I made at that time is yeah. something that I just kind of, I like to sink into that feeling. This was the best decision. I don't regret it. Um, uh, but yeah. yeah, the fighter, the fighter in me sometimes is just like, if I see like a legal movie and someone like the underdog wins, I get like so excited <laughs> and, and then I get fired up again, you know? So yeah. <laughs> it is so good what you said, like really reframing it as a quality rather than yeah. to be yeah. annoyed at the fact that you like, oh, there it is again. And because you feel your heart yeah. beating, like you feel <laughs> like your blood rushing through your veins uh -huh. and it's like, oh, but so much. In, if you can see how you can actually, that is a quality and you appreciate mm -hmm. it. And then you can also use it for good and you kind of like respect it. It's like part of your self-care a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. I never thought about yeah. it, it yeah. that yeah. way. So uh, that that's really good. There was another thing that you said uh, last that I was thinking of. Oh, what did you say? I didn't write it down quick enough. Um, yeah. It will come back to That's me. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> Sometimes I have it. It's like, don't, don't go. I, I know. I know that idea, feeling. but then it's like, <laughs> just like flies out uh, at the window. Um, so basically, if you would say like, looking mm -hmm. back at your, your whole entire situation and your career that you went through from beginning to end and all the, the, the work situations you, you were in, what would be like the top three to five mm -hmm. tips that you would share with people to say like, look, if you're in this situation, this is this is the next step. Yeah, so there's a few things I would say. One thing is to, when you start to recognize the toxic you know, boss or the toxic culture, you really have to look at it quickly and really decide how, like it's likely not going to get better unless there's a, there is something component that you can change about the situation. Really decide if you wanna be in it and get out of that mindset that you have to stick it out. Like I yeah. am also a commitment aholic. So some there was a part of me that would always stick things out in my career. And that was something I would not do again. Yes. So moving on, recognizing it faster, um, doing the best that you can in terms of your self-care. And so whatever routines you need to do to preserve while you're in the situation is really important. Um, talking to either a coach or a therapist or someone about the situation that's not in your workplace, I think is also super key to get that objective, non-judgmental support. So yeah. friends, family, like it's fun to sometimes just, you know, complain with your coworkers. I've, I certainly can fall into that pattern just to kind of vent, but to actually yeah. have constructive conversations is something different to actually help you navigate. I think that's super important and shouldn't be underestimated. Um, and the other thing is not to just to um, uh, belittle the experience that you have. We tend to go, oh, I should just be able to handle this. So we talked about that a little oh bit God, earlier. Like I just so should bad. just like. I should just be able to suck it up buttercup, right? That was like, 
something I would say. It's like, again, I'm super tough. I'm like resilient. Yeah. Like I've been through so much in my life. Why can I not handle this? Well, because it's quite insidious the way a lot of these box, bosses work. And it's very, there's this small little stabs that they're doing at you the whole time. So yeah. they're just trying to bring you down slowly. Not often. Sometimes it's big, you know, grandiose things that happen, but a lot of times they're small. So not dismissing that as well and recognizing that this is really hard on yourself and being okay with yeah. that. Yeah. Did you add also like the the thing um, that it was only you seeing that side? Because actually, I'm just like like whilst you're talking, just like jump something came into mind. Like one of uh, my clients actually sees it with in with somebody, and she is the only one who sees it. So she said like mm. the others are just thinking like the rainbow is coming out of her poop poop. <laughs> Oh. Like she's so fantastic. Oh, and she said like, yeah, have you? That's a hard situation. So yeah. that was not the situation in this particular case. It was not me the only one seeing it. Again, I'm only speaking for myself, but generally saying um, that situation that your client is, that's really hard because then you start to really think you're almost going crazy because you're like, why is no one seeing it? Yeah. Maybe there's someone else seeing it, but if they are not articulating it, they're not actually saying anything. I mean, that that is a particularly challenging situation. So what the, for her, um, having the courage to stick to her convictions, having the courage to 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 believe what she is seeing to be her truth yes. is really going to be key. Is going to be so key because it's so. That's when you're like looking to other people, like don't they see it? Don't they see this? <laughs> It doesn't matter if she's experiencing it and seeing it and she can't, she doesn't want to handle it or whatever, yeah. then she, that's, that's the challenge. Yes. And I think like what you say is really important that it doesn't really affect your, your self-belief and your, mm -hmm. your own doubt that because I see a lot of people that are just like, oh, well, like you said, like, oh, it must be me. Like yes. there must be something wrong with me. I'm making up this whole story and uh, like it's probably not true and blah, blah, blah. And they start really going in that negative spiral and that can affect you again. In very it's a total spiral. And for sure, 100% I was going down that and I had to um, – I had to talk to a few people and it was interesting. I knew someone going through a really challenging toxic boss situation at the time. And it was amazing because she, she helped me understand that I was not making this up. This was not in my head. She's like, this is their, this is their plan to make you think it's you. Oh, wow. And, and it's, and it was like, again, talking to someone else who can have some insight was super powerful for me. And I was like, okay. And then that was very empowering. And then I was like, no, this is really happening. Um, this isn't right. And, um, you know, ultimately though, it's up for me, up to me to figure out how I'm going to navigate the situation. Yes. And feeling also strong enough that you can deal with it because if you're, <sighs> it's ultimately you by yourself, you're alone in this mm -hmm. and it can mm -hmm. feel feel lonely even though you have your husband and you have friends around yeah. you you can still feel going through this process very isolated and alone so isolated and i would say a lot of your clients or people listening have had the experience where hr is not supportive so you can oh. you know in a corporate environment and so if that's happening on top of everything which was um you know that that makes it um you know, a hundred times worse because you feel like you're supposed to have this safety net and then you don't. Oh, and, it's horrible. Um, it's really, I, I'm, I like, I, I used to work as a, a senior HR business partner and the amount of time 
like unfairness, this is my trigger, the <laughs> amount of time that I had to go to bat because like they disagreed with me because like an employee didn't get in, along with their boss or like with yeah. a colleague or like we were working in a big company. So it's like you, you, you get situations where that happens. And the amount of time that I sit in a meeting where my seniors uh, said to me, like, you work for the company. You mm -hmm. defend whatever is in best interest of the company, not of the employee. And I was like, but, 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 no, zip, zip, Caroline, zip. <laughs> I'm so glad you're sharing that story. Well, two things. I'm so glad you were there to go for bat for people because that's what we need. And mm. so that's just you know, I love hearing that because that's the justice part of me that gets so excited. <laughs> and then and I feel like we need to have a legal company together or something. Um, but, it's like, but the other thing is recognizing that the company is going to put themselves first. So yes. they, you know, I got labeled difficult, not only by, you know, people in my team, but I think HR was kind of like, she's just making things up, but not oh, making wow. things up, but she's blowing things out of proportion. Um, they shut things down in a way that um, were uh, kind of illegal, actually. So, Oh, yes. You know, that 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 makes it so much harder because like not only do you have the industrial situation, but then how it's handled. And then yes. again, back to the acceptance piece is like you know, accepting that you're in this corporation that's bigger than you, bigger yes. than life in some <laughs> situations, huge ones. And, um, you know, there was really only so much I could do. You, 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 uh, you bring something up like it's about it's not only one angle, it's multiple angles that you're being questioned. So, yes, you, you, you're not only dealing with a toxic boss, but you're also dealing with the labels others give because of that. And then you have the injustice from the organization that's not supporting you that you like, okay, maybe I don't know how long you worked with that organization, but mm -hmm. like some people have worked like for five, eight years for the same yeah. organizations, have a switch of bosses and suddenly they have the toxic boss and they're treated like dirt yeah. and like dirt. dismissed. And it's like, I made so much sacrifices for this company. I didn't go to yeah. birthday parties. I miss my yeah. daughters, blah, yes. blah, blah. Yes. Yes. And it's then like, it changes overnight and yes. that commitment and they, and you know, I, I had been there a few years and um, I had put in so much I had done, I thought, you know, some amazing work. And the thing is I am really proud of a lot of the work and uh, proud of some of the relationships I have with coworkers. So um, there was so much to gain, but that, that feeling of when it can change overnight like that, there's actually kind of, um, I think it's a betrayal energy that actually sets in because you had it one way and then suddenly it flipped a 180 and it, the injustice is, I feel like it's a betrayal. And I, I, I just think something does activate in our deep core that is very, very, um, uh, it really just puts you out of balance and it's just, it's really upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. So. One more question be, uh, yeah. before we close off is how yeah. do you get rid of this baggage? And then when mm -hmm. you leave, you make that decision, like enough is enough. I'm going to choose me like this is, and, and you're very peaceful with that decision. How, how do you move on? Because you're, you have scars, you have trauma yeah. like that. So mm -hmm. like, how do you move on and how do you know you have moved on? Because sometimes you might say, like, okay, I talk to a therapist, do three sessions, five sessions, work with a yeah. coach, yeah, I'm finally free. And then, bam, it hits you in the face. <laughs> Not yeah, and I, yeah, it's definitely different for different people. And it is that process. I find there's still moments that, you know, it's not been too long. It will pop up. But there's definitely, um, for me, it was a lot of journaling. So a lot of writing. So I've written a story about this. 
that um, I'm, I'm working to get published right now. So Ooh, um, exciting. Yeah. So there, there's just to help to kind of bring home some of the main points. So for me, writing about it has been part of the process. And there's parts I've been writing about it that will never be published. But yeah. they, they tell a bit more of the it's more about me processing these situations. Yeah. So when you so different things for different people, but um, as much as you can get it out of your system. And again, so that um, that can, you know, that's the journaling, that's the exercise, that's the talking to people, um, don't keep it bottled up. And um, I that's partly why I'm literally on talking to you about this, because I think it's so important, personally, for me to say what my experience is, but honestly, it's so much about people hearing the story. Yes. So that they can be like, I was not crazy. This happened to me. This was awful. This dismantled me. And um, it's happened to other people. And it's happened to other people who are really great in their careers, who are accomplished, who are um, you know, confident and have their stuff together. (laughs) Have this so um, but when you know is um uh I think you'll know when you end up if you find yourself in another job that's a situation that's similar, you did not process all of, all of it. So that's one interesting yeah. thing that could happen. Ooh. If there's a pattern that happens, and I have noticed, again, this did make me look at some of my patterns. I love looking at patterns and connecting the dots, especially with clients. So I was looking at other times in my life, I had found myself in situations with toxic bosses. And I looked at the common threads, what was happening to me personally, why did I invite that into my life at that time? Why was I okay with it at time? So if you end up in a similar situation, again, I would say there's more to process there. If you go to a situation and you're feeling it's more in alignment with your values, you're feeling more fulfilled, you know, fulfillment is such a huge, huge thing that we are entitled to feel in a job. Um, yes. that people also dismiss. I think that's a sign that you've moved on. Um, and then how are you feeling mentally and emotionally? That's just yes. such, such a key, you know? I think yeah. I think that is really, really, like, it reminds me of a, <laughs> a saying that my husband always says. He says, if it smells constantly like shit, then the <laughs> shit is on your shoe. <laughs> yeah. And it's like true. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, like uh, I have, like, a client uh, before we start working together, who constantly went from, oh, and he has worked all over the world and constantly had negative bosses, toxic bosses or toxic colleagues mm-hmm. or really. And it was like, man, yeah. really, you have to look at yourself on how you actually behave because it's it's often also, I don't say it's always the case because you have really narcissists, bullies and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah. there's also a part, like you mentioned in the beginning, that's, that you can take responsibility for. Yes. Um, and I always bring it back to your your triggers. If you're triggered and you become very, for example, defensive and you, you that's going to influence your behavior and the outside mm-hmm. world is going to re- respond to that. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I love the way so- you said that. Yeah, so it's it's really like thinking back and really unraveling that before you actually like move on. And there was another thing that actually um, that you said and like uh, I want to share with everybody to make sure that they do that. And that's the forgiveness problem, uh, mm-hmm, process. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I had to do uh, when I came out of really toxic environments where people tried pushing me out mm-hmm. uh, even though it was not just um and so for example like I had four general managers in three years time the last one didn't like me because I'm not a yes person tried mm-hmm. to push me out with all the <laughs> all the reasons and 
it took me a while to actually go through the process of thinking about her and actually coming from a place like we discussed before of compassion. And in my mind, I had to go and forgive her, forgive her, forgive her. Like not literally saying go through a process. Like I listened to so many guided meditations (laughs) about forgiveness and it took me a while, but now I can think about her and actually be very okay. And the lessons that I learned from that process and that got me here to where I am, because if she didn't do what she did, then I wouldn't be who I am and where I am. So oh, I'm yeah, grateful. I love that. I, the forgiveness part, huge. And yes. uh, that's a process too, but I've also learned a lot of that lesson this year. And um, the, the guided meditations to get you through that, I think is super um, super important and that it, um, to be able to look back on something and, and recognize it as kind of a gift in a way I feel already that I had a gift because I, I was quite comfortable in that it was a job I could do and with my eyes closed and I needed a new challenge. And I, in many ways, I thought that the universe was saying, well, we're going to give you the most extreme <laughs> boss ever. <laughs> so that you you get out of there and make a move. And I was like, you literally could not have given me a more challenging situation. Um, yeah. But it worked. It worked very yes. effectively. I was like, I got to go. So you know, if I look at it, that's another reframe. I am always trying to reframe things. I was like, well, yeah, what, yeah. what was the gift here is like, and then, I, you know, just really, really getting in touch with my value and not letting anyone um, t- try and strip away my value. That is just not happening anymore. No, you have to stand strong. Do you think like you you might not know yet like what yeah. what triggers you will have in the future? Because now once you have dealt with something, you can recognize your patterns yes. quicker, but like you still get triggered uh, at a certain level because if unfairness, oh, yeah. like for me, it's like constantly unfairness. Ah, okay, there I go again. Yeah. Come on, come yes. down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll see them. I, I'll see them. And I think I'm going to be have just, you know, greater awareness as I'm going through this greater awareness of what's triggering me and why it's upsetting me. And, um, and then being okay with the fact that I'm, I'm triggered. But I, I the people pleasing thing, I have learned the lesson, it is clear, I know how to see that and recognize it. And um, it really is a level of toxicity um, yeah. in corporate culture that is something to just really run away from. Yes. And you mentioned something that I don't think you're, co- maybe you said it consciously, like yeah. that you wanted to, yeah. but you said, I'm, uh, when I'm triggered, I'm okay with it. And it's mm-hmm. like what a lot of people do is they kick themselves like, and <sighs> they're angry at themselves and they blame themselves. And like to go to yeah. a place that you said, like, I'm okay oh. with that. It's so beautiful. okay with it. It's um, most of our triggers are childhood wounds. Like, let's just that, that I feel like that is my experience. And so if you recognize that it's the child in you kicking and screaming and having a tantrum, well, that's okay. Like that I can, I can get my head around that. And I accept that because that was coming from someone who didn't know any different. And, and, but the, the other thing is the judgment. I think Gabby Bernstein says this, they judge, uh, notice your judgments without judgment. So yeah. when I'm judging my, triggers i really try to go into that place of acceptance and just recognize it for what it is like or and get curious about it i actually have um during this process i actually started a journal just for triggers so i just started writing down any one specific book separately set aside because i have journals for different things and this is just things that triggered me and really look at reflect on why that why it was triggering and again it would come from a place of injustice or something that happened as a kid that really bothers me um 
you know, I'm definitely triggered by people who aren't generous, who are just, who are really um, controlling and because uh, generosity is one of my core values, really important to me. So I look at where that came from and uh, and noticing it without that judgment and, and wow. trying to be kind to myself. Yes, and gentle. Yeah. And so like some of the, the, the really practical tips would be like, uh, it's like to, first of all, like identify your, your triggers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. really understand where they come from, the story behind and come from a place, uh, you said it's so beautiful the, before, it's like coming from a place where you think of that that person didn't know any better at that age. Yeah. Yeah. So really yeah. reframing it to really like, uh, again, coming from that compassion for that little person uh, that didn't know any better, but you know better at the moment. So you that helps you reframe. And so, Mm -hmm. and that would be also emotions, the stories, a lot of journaling. Um, And then like maybe the the forgiveness practice, uh, whether it's forgiving yourself or somebody else. For sure. I mean, that the forgiveness part is huge and the acceptance part is huge. From a technical perspective, if you are in a toxic workplace situation, and, and this is is was really key for me, was also noting everything down. So literally writing every single thing down that helped me. That helped me feel control of the situation, but also just have, like, just in case you do need that stuff um, for any kind of legal reasons. There's there's that part of it too. There's like the practical, just left brain, do this part, and then there's all the emotional healing stuff. As yes. Well. I that's a discussion that I have with my husband all the time it's like because he he always try to rationalize and use logic with emotions Mm -hmm. and that doesn't work Mm -hmm. like you can do you can like if you're in a toxic situation and you think like like we said before like oh I can suck it up I should be able to handle Mm -hmm. this situation you can rationalize it and logic oh they pay me well it's not that bad the project is interesting the company is actually quite good it's close to home i shouldn't complain should just like tolerate this and settle for like the situation why can't i handle this and it's like just like being able to recognize that you don't have to rationalize it or use logic it's an emotion and Logic or rational thinking is only a bandit for whatever emotion you try to cover up. That emotion will pop up again and again and again. Oh, yeah, that's so well said. It's just you can't rationalize it away. And you got to do the work. You got to do the digging, as you know. You got to do the journaling. That's why the trigger journal might work well for people. All of those things. And, and, And then my question would be, as a coach, too, if someone's rationalizing and, you know, saying it's good enough for this reason, I'm getting the paycheck, all this stuff. It's like, why are you tolerating this? So is it, you know, I I mean, are all of those things, and I know you've talked about this in podcasts, too, are all of the other things good enough to to rationalize and justify the situation? And a lot of times it isn't, but we convince ourselves that it is. Yes, yes, exactly. Because we think we can't do better or have better. And, and, and maybe that's a pattern in so many things. It's because the way you do one thing, most often the way you do other things also. So it might Mm -hmm. be where else in your life are you tolerating mediocrity and just like settling for like mediocrity. And there's one thing I have, um, Oh, that I really liked on your, uh, you sent me an email and yeah. in your email in, in uh, signature, you say something about vanilla. Oh yeah. 
Yes, and, I, and that's constantly use vanilla. It's like you don't yes, want to be yes. vanilla. I, yeah, I yes, saw it. I, I was like, oh. it's totally true. Well, actually, that just ties into what you just said that I love so much. It's like kind of settling. I, yeah. I, I think one of the things I say is I help, uh, you know, professionals go from vanilla uh, success to spectacular triumph. Yeah. So it's that vanilla world, which I found myself personally living very comfortably in vanilla. And yes. that was a lot of my upbringing. You don't really go for anything too big. You just kind of, if you're a little bit successful, that's good, but don't go too far. And so that's yeah. a, that was a whole story of programming. So what I'm, what I really work with people is like really pushing out of that comfort zone and really going for what they want. And um, again, not tolerating just this mediocrity or you know it's good enough. And fine, yes. it's good enough for now as a stepping stone, but really that's not where you want to stay. And no, I know that so much of what you're time. doing is you're you're pushing people up, you're raising people up, and I love that. So that's also you know something that I love to do. Perfect. Now, before we go, like, tell us where people can find you, connect with you. Yeah. How can people yeah. work with you? Because this has yeah. been amazing and very valuable. So oh, tell gosh. us. Yeah, so um, I do work with a lot of people going through career transitions or challenging situations. So my website is uh, com, spelled just like my name on the screen. And I have some freebies there and I have coaching packages as well. I do a signature one-on-one -on -one six session coaching package with people that is called the Clear and Confident Maven. So that's to get people feeling clear, confident, all the things that I always wanted. Um, and I work with everyone, not just creatives, but I definitely seem to have a lot of creative clients, which I love because I've worked in that world. I get it. I know it. And I'm yes. on uh, Instagram and LinkedIn under Alana Rosso. I'm most active probably on LinkedIn and Instagram, uh, a little bit on Facebook. And uh, I just love connecting with people. So if people just want to share their story with me, I love to hear that. And I've got a few different, I've got a blog too. So tons of free content there for people. Perfect. So, and it's worldwide. It's not because you're based in Canada that yeah. people say, oh no, that's, that's too far. No, <laughs> I work with everyone. I, uh, I love the fact that you're in Australia and I'm in Canada right now. It's just, uh, that's so cool. Um, yeah, I work with everyone. Surprisingly, uh, I have a lot of non-Canadian, uh, um, clients and work with a lot with the US, but I work with anyone and anyone who's really just willing to show up and, um, be vulnerable and look at what they, they want what they maybe don't want to look at, but the, the, the time and energy you put into coaching or being in that process, it's, I'm sure you know, this It's transformational. It's completely transformational. It is de definitely. And anybody that's in a situation that they want to get out, uh, get out of yeah. definitely, you're not in this alone. You don't have to do it alone because like we said earlier, it's very isolating. It's very like demoralizing because you trust yeah. trying and then questioning yourself. So reach out for help if you're in that, that situation, because that basically that's going to transform you more than just staying stuck. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on to today, mm -hmm. Alana. Uh, it's been it. absolutely divine. Uh, like, I feel like we can talk for hours about so many things. <laughs> I know. I know. I definitely will have. And I, as I said, I love your podcast. I've been binging your episodes. So I'm excited. Ah, to be here. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. And if anybody has any questions for Alana, please feel free to reach out also yeah. to her, direct message her uh, with any questions you have. For perfect. Sure. Thank you so Take much, care. Alana. See ya. Bye. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Career Disruptors podcast. If you did, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. And if you want to take the next step in your career and you want to discover how I can help you, 
head over to my website, newhorizoncoaching.com.au and discover how we can work together or download any of my free resources. Thanks again and I'll connect with you on the next episode.